At the end of May, the world was graced with the fourth season of Stranger Things after an interminable wait for its return. People were dying to know how the story of Eleven, Mike, Nancy, Hopper, Steve, and the rest of the crew would develop. As it turned out, what was released was Volume 1 of Season 4, leaving fans and viewers on a cliffhanger. Volume 2 was released on July 1st, which is a four-hour, two-part finale that promised to be a brutal affair that answered some long-standing questions about the series. Was it as advertised? Let's find out. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Chomping After Dark, the podcast where we deep dive into the stories of our favorite video games, movies, TV shows, and comics. The finale of season four has come, and I can't wait to discuss it in full detail. Let me introduce you to the people you will be hearing today. First, I am joined by my friend and fellow podcast host, Rich Meister. Rich, welcome, and how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, man. Um, I finished the one episode of Stranger Things, and then Stranger Things, the feature film. Hey, yeah. How how was the That's first a fucking film movie? For you? I don't care what I don't care what they say. You made a movie, gentlemen. They did, and like to be honest with you, it was a good movie. I, that's what I was going to say. It didn't feel like four hours. I got to yeah, be honest. It was a, it was a good, well-paced movie. I get why you don't want to call it a movie, because a movie implies that it is like a self-contained story. Right. And that is not what that is. Not at all. But it's like, it's long. <laughs> it's long, therefore it it's, is a movie. It's, it's not just a movie, it's a long movie. It's a really long movie. It's almost as long as Avatar 2, uh, <laughs> which is going to be bad. <laughs> Wait, but there's gonna be the sea. Yeah, it's gonna be like the first movie, so but in the water. So bad, but in the water. Bad, but hydrated. Yeah, bad, <laughs> but there's like a fucking dolphin. <laughs> Just one. Only one. <laughs> yeah. And he's fucking massive. A massive doll. I can't wait to do that podcast. <laughs> I don't know who this character is. He's just like a he's just like a fifty year old man from Brooklyn. That loves Avatar too. Or ironically loves it, maybe. I don't know. He's like that guy who used to chain smoke outside of my old office and be like, Hey Richie, you having a good day today? <laughs> You're like, Yeah, Jim, thanks. I didn't know what his name was, and I don't know how he knew what mine was. Mafia. Something to think about. Mafia. Rich, did you secretly join the Mafia? Is this your coming out party of that? I'm not Italian. Doesn't mean you can't be in the Mafia. I think it might. I think think you have to be Italian or Irish, and I'm Scottish, and that's close enough. I like for the first half of that sentence, I don't know if you noticed this, you had a little bit of a Brooklyn accent, and then as you talked about you being Irish, it suddenly disappeared. Italian? Yeah. I don't know. I like it. I like it. 
That's the first time I've heard you like default into that voice, and I like it. I wish you would do it more. I don't. I'm not doing it on purpose, except for like two minutes ago when I was clearly doing it on purpose. I don't know. I think that's your normal voice, and you just put on airs for the rest of that us. Is, that is not how I talk. Because you, because you, which is, I have two. I, I have three voices. I have like this is funny. I'm overexcited. I have normal, and then I have talking to a dog or a cat. What's the talking to a dog or cat? Asshole! Nah, it's like, look at you! (laughs) (laughs) With the little giggle at the end, I like that. Yeah, like you're just having fun. Well, dude, thanks for being here, man. I'm glad you're here. Of course. Yeah, and I'm your host, Shay Layton. Thank you for having me for this discussion. Um, While I will do my best to discuss all of the major points of the two episodes, if I discuss everything, this podcast will go on for hours and hours. So I will try and hit all the major points and leave room for us to discuss. So from this point on, there will be spoilers. If you are concerned with getting spoiled on this two-part finale, please go watch it and come back to listen when you have finished it. It's a very long finale, obviously, so be prepared. But now, turn the lights down low Slip into something more comfortable. Get your guitar ready for a multi-dimensional guitar solo. And sip on an exquisitely flavored beverage as we tell you a tale by the fireplace. Episode 8. Papa. The episode picks up with Vecna showing Nancy visions of Hawkins being torn asunder by by rifts. That's a difficult word to say, rifts. After which he releases her from his mental grip. Through Nancy retelling them of what she saw, she and the crew realize that Vecna needs four gates to bring the future he showed to Nancy a reality. Max offers to act as a lure to distract him while some of the others infiltrate the Upside Down to attack him. So, Rich, with the distraction plan taking shape in this episode... Did you think that a few of the party members would die, thus raising the stakes? I knew we were going to get a minimum one death. Um, I really did go in thinking it was going to be Steve. Mm. I did too. I, like, I mean, especially after our discussion in the last episode, I definitely thought it was him or Nancy. Like, I thought that one of those two were just goners at that point. Yeah, it felt like it felt like um to me Steve Harrington going from like season 1 kind of douchey Steve mm. to like everything he's been through like don't get me wrong I'm glad he makes it out and I'm excited to see what becomes of him going forward but like part of me was like this is this is curtains for Steve like he's come full circle he's going to sacrifice himself for for everybody like good guy steve harrington to the end yeah that's what you know like that's kind of what i thought it was building up to or you know with all the drama between jonathan and nancy and steve i thought that nancy and there was just no other sides be- for the stake because like nothing jonathan has nothing going nothing life-threatening for Jonathan specifically happening. At no, the biggest problem he has is his relationship woes as he's not going to the same college as her. And he's lying and he's gotta about it. he's got to find some salt. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah, but I definitely thought, like, one of those two was going to die. I thought, 
you know, possibly Lucas was going to go. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some moments there where I thought it was I. Lucas was a real uh, possibility of him being the pawn taken off the table. Yeah, I mean, because especially because you consider up until this season, and especially this two-part finale, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but he really hasn't had that much development as compared to the other three. So he had some good moments in the the finale where, like, I like where they were taking him and him mm. kind of. I guess this sort of arc of almost like trying to fit in and then just it's a little on the nose, but I like what they've done with him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think the, yeah, the point of, of which him not trying to fit or trying to fit in and then not fit in very on the nose, but where they took it, I think went above and beyond that. And we'll get into that a little bit later, but yeah, I thought the stakes were going to be really high after hearing that plan, especially with Robin voicing like, we're not all going to come back from this. Probably are we, you know, like obviously that's foreshadowing and you, if you've taken in any form of media, you recognize, okay, that's foreshadowing of something. And I thought the way it was drawn up, how melodramatic it was, we're definitely losing at least a few people. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said too, uh, last episode, Murray from the Russian crew, I thought he was a goner for sure. Oh, absolutely. I think the the way everything uh, went with the Russians was considerably different than what we thought was going to happen, but mm. I actually kind of like it, even if, and we'll talk about this when it comes up yeah. uh, later. I thought the stuff with Yuri kind of came out of fucking nowhere. Mm. What's the, like, what? The, like, war hero thing? Oh, with Antonov? With, and him? With him and Enzo, when yeah. he's like, oh, uh... I thought the the peanut butter smuggler was like this great war hero that like yeah. I'm like why has this never come up before? Yeah, we'll definitely get into that a little bit later. Obviously, we're kind of uh, dangling the carrot here, but yeah, that's definitely something that I wrote down that I wanted to discuss. So we'll get into that yeah as it comes up. So let's get back into the story. Eleven uses her powers to learn what the others discovered. She convinces Owens to take her to Hawkins. However, Dr. Brenner imprisons Owens and traps Eleven. He tells her that she must complete her training or she will die. She realizes that Dr. Brenner has been using her for years to recapture Henry and not just uncover Soviet secrets. Sullivan and the government forces arrive at the site and execute most of the staff. Owens's fate remains uncertain so i think this is a good point to discuss this now because we don't see owens for the rest of season four at this point yeah um, we see him you know handcuffed and then the government forces specifically sullivan are trying to figure out what to do with him presumably he's in government custody yeah presumably but do you think he will return for the final season i i think definitely because like in terms of he may have made some missteps but when we look at the, and it's weird to be like, we talk about the government scientists we're dealing with. He's the only one that actually seems to have like Eleven's best interest at heart. Like he wants her to be able to have a life and be left alone. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you think about from season two to now, that character has really become like a, a champion for, for Eleven. He's like such a dichotomous figure to Dr. Brenner, who Brenner always talks about. He talks the talk, but he doesn't walk the walk. But Dr. Owens, 
he really is like the reflection of her because i mean of him of a uh, runner rather because he he understands that like you know her powers are needed to save the world or whatever he understands what she is but he in a, in a way that brenner doesn't like i feel like he actually looks at her as a a little girl and as a person yeah yeah i mean like he sees who she is and what she came from and her potential if um she's treated as an individual and not as a weapon yeah he wants to give her agency of what to do with her life like even when the world is on the line he does and i do believe it was genuine when they were in that diner give her the option to be like you can tell me you don't want to do this and i will take you somewhere else where you will be safe and that'll be the end of it yeah absolutely i mean like i fully and wholeheartedly believe that um i i think it's going to be really interesting to see if and when and how they bring him back in the final season yeah because i mean that bunker entrance got bombed or whatever but you know the the other like the government agents that were after them are going to have backup. We saw that the the people in charge at that facility were alive, so presumably he's in custody. Mm. Yeah, I would think so. I would think that you know, like so- something's going to happen with him, and he's going to be back. You know, you got to think that because he's returned twice now. I mean, he re- he returned um, from season two into season three at the end of season three, and he returned here for season four. So. Also, Got Paul Reiser, just a hell of an actor, and if you're getting rid of his character, you don't just kill him silently off screen. Right, right, exactly. This isn't my office. This isn't my locker. I've been bamboozled. Uh, he's he's a joy in uh, Beverly Hills Cop. I love him in everything. You know where else he's giving an immaculate performance right now? Whiplash? In the current season of The Boys. He's in there? Yeah. Oh, dude, I need to get caught up he, with that He show. plays, um, to not spoil anything for you, he plays the legend, which was basically, it's a little differently handled in the TV show, but in the comic, the legend was like their spoof of Stan Lee. I love it. I'm going to have to check it out. I need to get, I need to get caught up on that show. Finale this week. Hmm. Damn, already? Yep. Season three is ending with a bang. That's what she said. Uh, to... <laughs> All right, let's get back to the Not story. Not to me. <laughs> Brenner attempts to flee with Eleven, but he is shot by the government forces. Eleven brings down the government helicopter on top of the government forces' vehicles, preventing them from chasing after him. Mike's group arrives to rescue her. Brenner, a- <clears throat> excuse me. Brenner asks for forgiveness as his dying wish, and Eleven denies him of it. He dies alone in the desert. In Russia, Hopper, Joyce, Murray, Yuri, and Antonov, or Enzo, discover that the Russians at the base were running experiments on multiple creatures from the Upside Down. They escape the prison. So that's the end of episode 8. Rich, I gotta address this. What do you think of Will's reassurance to Mike in the van while stifling his own personal feelings that are never quite fully realized or addressed, I should say, in this uh, episode? Um, I mean, I think it's made more explicitly clear, though we can't, like, presume to understand exactly what he's feeling, that he's having some conflicting feelings specifically about Mike, whether they be romantic or not. 
mm. think it's leaning leaning more towards that. I think that's pretty clear. Um and how that stuff is going to be resolved, but like I think it felt a little more ambiguous, but like hinting towards that earlier in the season, it feels a little bit more obvious now. Yeah, I Man, I had I had it's rare that like I look at a character, I'm like, you fucking idiot. What are you doing? You fucking, like... And I'm, like, talking to the screen as if they can hear me. It's rare that I do that, but in that moment, I was like, how the fuck is Mike such an oblivious dickhead to his best well, here's friend? A, here's the thing about teenage boys. No, you're right. You're right. They're pretty dumb. They are. They are. For sure. For sure. I mean... Yeah. You're right. It's It's... I would say like, I, I genuinely don't feel like it's unrealistic that he'd be like, gee whiz, thanks, and not get it. Yeah, I no, genuinely right. don't think it is. You're right. That's exactly right. But man, poor Will, dude. Yeah, yeah. It like, is. I was, I was thinking about this, and I was discussing this last night in our Discord, but if you think about it, Mike spends the last two episodes like and this is like jumping ahead a little bit whining about how he thinks he's not good and good enough for 11. He spends mm-hmm. like two episodes doing that. Like I'm not good enough for her. What if I'm not good enough? What if she, you know, because she's the superhero and you know, what if, you know, she outgrows me kind of thing. And Will's like, dude, you've been holding it down for her. You're not, you're not, you're, you're good enough for her. But like on the flip side of that, if Mike doesn't feel good enough for Eleven, and presumably Will is in love with Mike, which I think it's it's not explicitly said, but that's the inference there. Yeah, if Will is in love with like. if Will is in love with Mike, and Mike doesn't feel good enough for Eleven, how does Will feel if if like if Mike thinks he's not good enough for Eleven, and Will is not good enough for Mike? That's got to make like make Will feel lower than. You know what I mean? Just make him feel small, yeah. Yeah, even yeah, yeah. It's it's horrible and like it's it's conflicting and like a, a bigger part of it has to be that like because I don't think it would make sense for him to confess it and Mike to reciprocate it because Mike has shown nothing to suggest that he is grappling with his sexuality in that way. Um, right. It obviously just doesn't make sense and also it doesn't have to be like some forlorn love thing because these are children, like they are still young and obviously like. Will is developed like struggling with his sexuality, which is so much worse, not something I tend to understand. Mm. Um, and then also struggling with having feelings for his best friend. Like it's. Yeah. And then you like you, you puncture that in with like, that's hard enough in like modern day where that's considerably more expected. Like in the eighties, there's, he, there's no empowerment for him to feel like he, should voice that Mm. yeah i mean that's true it's not like it's not mike's fault that he doesn't have feelings or he doesn't you know that's not the way he's wired but i think the problem isn't mike's an asshole it's just a horrible situation for will to be in yeah he's like and i feel bad for will because i think that like he's like he knows his best friend slash the person he's presumably in love with is very narcissistic and he's at a point in his life where he's narcissistic you know um and i think will's like i know how you used to be in the way you used to treat me and you know it's yeah it's frustrating but i will say this now because it's not 
something that I had planned to bring up later. I think it leads to a really important moment between Will and Jonathan in episode nine, because this season, like they didn't have much of development together where if you look in like season one, where they really worked on building that um, brotherly relationship and even in season two, you know, and then this season it's like Jonathan and Will are, you couldn't even tell they were brothers up until this moment where they have that heart to heart. I think they, they draw attention to it purposefully and it being like Will being, uh, I'm sorry, not Will, Jonathan, Jonathan being involved with his own shit and being at that age and also like they're dealing with this move and he's struggling with this and that. And I think part of him mentally is going, well, like he's there for Will, but no longer going out of his way because also like, well, he's got 11 now because she's living with them too. So it's like he doesn't feel this need to be the complete support system. And also he's just kind of going off and fucking around to not have to think about his own problems. Right. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that they draw attention very well to like the plight of what each of those characters are going through, because you think about it, it's, it's hard to remember sometimes how we all acted at that age, how oblivious mm-hmm. we are, how wrapped up in our own world we are trying to, you know, deal with the feelings that we have, these complex emotions that we are becoming privy to, and we're not quite sure how to cope with them and understand them yet. All these weird thoughts, sometimes sinister, sometimes happy and heartfelt, all these new thoughts that we start to have at that age that, you know, we weren't aware of before or we they never even popped into our brains before like all these things are happening biochemically um anatomically mentally emotionally spiritually that it's kind of hard to remember sometimes what it was like to be at that age and so when you see these characters and they're acting so frustrate acting so frustrating it's like ah Shit, I gotta keep that in mind. They're not kids anymore. They really are in that awkward fate. This is a puberty adult child. Yeah, the both like all of them are at the yeah. end of the day. Even though like they're making some really adult decisions and saving the world, there are some really frustrating moments because that's what they are. But yeah. I like that moment between Will and Jonathan almost had me up in tears. I was like, damn, I was not expecting that. And it was, it was a great, great moment. It was a great payoff. I think. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was good. And also because, you know, it's funny when you, when you think about it, actually, and I thought about this more after the fact of being like, well, who does Will have to confide in at that point? And it really would be like Jonathan or 11 and Will can't exactly feel comfortable, like going to 11 and be like, I'm having a problem. I think I'm in love with your boyfriend. <laughs> right (laughs) let's unpack that (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's uh yeah it's 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 hard for him at that point and i just i really love that scene and i wanted to you know bring it up now before we just completely ignore it because it's one of the best scenes that i think in the season it's definitely worth talking about definitely worth talking about hmm so my next question, do you think Eleven denying Brenner of forgiveness will have a greater part to play in the final season, or do you think it's just closure at this point? I mean, I could see them doing something with, like, her feeling bad about it, or, like, the Mind Flayer using that, Vecna presumably, because presumably Vecna's still around, mm. using that against her, like, some guilt in the back of her head. But I'd like, I'd prefer if it were just closure, because I don't think she needs to feel bad about that at all. 
Hmm. Yeah, I like. I hope that sh- there, there's like no guilt she feels, and I don't think she will. I think that like the way they frame that, Doctor Brenner acting like he cares about her only to, you know, try and use her in the end. Even and, and humans are more complex than like I'm sure some part of him did care about her, but like that part is so minute compared to the terrible thing he did there yeah his ambitions his his ambitions far outweighed his care and i think that i think you're right i think at the end he kind of realized i i really did make some terrible decisions but far too late far too late for it to matter yeah and i think that i think that goes a long way to show that there doesn't always need to be this happy ending even though we're going to talk about that later uh, in the next episode of the finale and everything. But it's the director's uh, way of saying real life doesn't have happy endings. So why should I try that hard? <laughs> I think <laughs> I think it's more. I know you're being facetious. I think it's more <laughs> along the lines of like, not everybody deserves forgiveness, and you are not. Not everybody obligated. deserves forgiveness, and not everybody deserves redemption. Yeah, and not ob- and nobody's obligated to give that out. You know, yeah. Um, why do you think that the Russians were experimenting on the upside down creatures? Because they're evil. What are you, unpatriotic? <laughs> yes. You fucking communist bastard. <laughs> you want the Russians to win. <laughs> um, I think the the obvious answer is like weapons, like militarizing these things. Like mm. it's the obvious like thing Russians are doing in an eighty in a movie in an eighties movie. They're trying to turn. They're trying to weaponize these monsters. Yeah, that's that's most likely it. I mean, it's never explicitly said, but I think it's very well hinted at. And you know, like you said, if you if you know anything about eighties um, media, that's what it was essentially. Yeah. So, I mean, this is pretty much presumably the end of the Russian storyline. I mean, it dates back to the very first season, and uh, this is like the main testing facility facility and compound and it's pretty much destroyed um you know like all the people involved as we learn in the next episode are destroyed and whatnot are killed i should say most of the stuff is destroyed so i think it's a good point to mention here or ask do you think that the way the russian story ended was lackluster or was it satisfying for you i think it was good enough i think you needed to tie a bow on that um, I don't think it's something that's going to have some horribly glorifying, like, ending, because, like, none of the characters we're following are, like, government, like, none of the characters we're following in a significant way are, like, government agents or anything, like, there's not going to be some big conspiracy wrap-up at the White House, like, we get a glimpse into why they were doing this, and it is the obvious reason, and the lab gets destroyed, and, alright, wrap it up. That's that seems that makes sense to me. No, definitely, definitely. It's just like it's been going on for four seasons. I think I think it was a fairly decent ending to it. I think you're right that they can't, you know, they can't do too much more with that because I think the 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 parties of interest, you know, have kind of set their allegiances and whatnot. So there's not much more to do there in terms of the Russian storyline. Like, yeah, Hopper, Hopper is home. We have no more investment in what's going on with the Russian. No, and, um, you know, he took some friends with him along the way. Yeah. Presumably. 
I don't like I don't know how big or small of a role that um uh I keep mi- mixing up their names Antonov or Enzo whatever you want to call them and uh, uh Yuri, Yuri is going in in season 5 Yuri is going to uh create a biochemical weapon that makes all of the uh demo dogs allergic to peanut butter and then he's going to kill them by uh just sticking his hands in jars of peanut butter and bitch slapping them that's not where I expected that to go, and I'm really glad that's exactly where I went. I'm glad you found your footing on that, because I thought the peanut butter and dog joke, I thought it was going to go in a very different direction. <laughs> oh, no, because, like, you don't want to stick your dick in there. No, no, definitely not. That'd be like a massive lamprey doing some damage. But it's good, Yeah, so that's what I think. <laughs> I like it. Stick to that one. But, I, yeah, I think with how much Russian involvement there has been throughout the seasons that I think it's also, uh, I think it's good that they're, you know, this is the way they ended it. But I also think it's good, you know, due to kind of real world situation, kind of the situations that are happening in Russia and with Russia and everything that's going on there right now. Why? What's going on there? I don't know. Nothing. I don't think anything. Yeah, probably not some type of propaganda from the West or something, but I think it's good to probably minimize that kind of not aggression towards Russia, but kind of, how do I word it? That kind of poking and prodding at them being the bad guy. I get what you're saying, but also I just like, think it's funny to think of the idea of like Vladimir Putin in a bunker somewhere watching season four of Stranger Things. And he's like, this never happened. <laughs> or he's like those fucking puny Americans making fun of our culture again. American dogs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then he spits in a spit bucket, which is the name of an advisory as who opens his mouth. So Vladimir can spit in it. <laughs> like Vladimir sitting down and the guy the advisor comes up and like puts his mouth open over Vladimir <laughs> yeah. and Vladimir just looks up and goes right yeah, in the back his, of the guy's that's throat his job. that's his job <laughs> he's the spit spit bucket yeah like hey what what I don't know any Boris get over here yeah sure Boris. I don't know why he has that accent there you go buddy get the fuck out of here yeah, that's, that's Vladimir's that's... real accent when he's not talking. <laughs> hey, what up, motherfuckers? It's me, <laughs> Vladimir Putin. <laughs> <laughs> Give me another fucking slice of pizza. Hey, I think of pepperoni. I'm Vladimir Putin. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the greatest twist of the 21st century. I had a hot honey pepperoni pizza on Saturday. That sounds nice. It was, it was very good. I don't know. I just made myself think of that now. That sounds real nice. It was. All right. Let's get into the last episode, episode nine. The piggyback. Film. Max, Lucas, and Erica go to the Creel house to prepare their distraction. Steve, Nancy, and Robin go back into the Upside Down to enter the Creel house to attack Vecna's physical form. Dustin and Eddie prepare Eddie's trailer in the Upside Down. Afterwards, Eddie plays Master of Puppets by Metallica on guitar to distract the demo bats, allowing for Steve, Nancy, and Robin to enter the Creel house in the Upside Down. I fucking the, love that scene. The bats, 
so good. <laughs> the bats get into the house, so Eddie distracts them by riding his bike away from the trailer. He stands his ground against them, sacrificing himself to save Dustin. So, Rich, I gotta ask, why didn't Dustin and Eddie just set up a stereo to distract the demo bats while hiding in another trailer to make sure that they were safe? Because this was way cooler. That's I knew that was going to be your response. Because the fucking guitar solo in a multi-dimensional. It was, come on, like don't pretend like that wasn't really cool. <laughs> it was fucking epic, dude. It was, it was such an epic scene, but also, like from a practical standpoint, why didn't that happen? Because this is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I just didn't know uh, if there. I didn't know if there was like something I I'm missing. I don't, I don't have an answer for you. Um. Yeah, man. Because uh, Eddie needed to die for the script. Um, here's here here's the thing about Eddie's death because I do feel like it is impactful, though slightly less impactful to have the character who was introduced this season die. Mm. Um, part of me thinks, and I could be wrong because maybe like he was written in with that intent from the beginning. I think the sole reason Eddie has to die. Mm is because uh, the Duffer brothers realized they had written themselves into a corner, and even if they all make it out, there's no way to exonerate Eddie in a way that makes sense and have it be okay for him to be out walking around with them. So I saw, saw like, a fan idea online about this, and this is jumping ahead a little bit. Um, It's the guy's, the the basketball dude's name who chases... Jason. uh, Jason, yeah, that's what I thought his name was. So, um, as I'll talk about a little bit later, Jason meets his end in a very humorous way. Um, but I think it would have been cool if Lucas had somehow convinced Jason, um, shown him what was happening with Max, and then um, Jason would have been, become a good guy on their side, and he would have helped to exonerate Eddie in the town. Sure. Because he was the main guy leading the charge against Eddie. He was, well, the, he was the like the police fully believed that Eddie did it. He was just the one leading like a fucking angry mob about it. That's true. That's true. But if if Jason had come around and you know saved Eddie, but sure. I also I have also heard some fan theories that Eddie's not actually dead. Go on. Well, that's I. I don't have too much more. No, that's it. Yeah. Well, that's not a good theory. There's no details. Yeah, I don't. I didn't read the finer details because I was like, I don't know if I believe that. But because I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's dead. Yeah, I've seen. I've seen it happen. Yeah, exactly. But I'm. We never see his body. You know, like his body's never brought fr- back from the upside down. Um. You know what happens with it? Is is he just you know? Is he just left there? Dustin he just become, walked away? He, be- he becomes a, a good vector. You never know. I mean, and as we're going to uh, talk about a little bit later, um, people don't always stay dead in this series. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I really did. Ma- ma- the Master I, of Puppets thing's really cool. I was, was going <laughs> to say, it is a really cool sequence. I, I didn't know what song they were going to play, and I've been waiting for that scene the entire run of the show or this season because that was one of the scenes shown off in the trailer for season four. Um, it's a good song choice. 
it was a good song choice, definitely. Um, especially considering what what we're about to talk about right now, actually. So um, yeah, I think it's a good segue. Eleven, Mike, Will, Jonathan, and Argyle create an isolation tank so Eleven can enter Max's mind to fight Vecna. Vecna wins the battle and possesses Max. He reveals to Eleven that since he was banished to the Upside Down, he has since taken control and acted as its quote-unquote hive mind, revealing himself to be the Mind Flayer. As thus, or as such, the Master of Puppets. So, what do you think, Rich, of Vecna slash Henry slash 001 being the mastermind behind it all? I think it's more compelling and makes more sense than there just being some ominous, uh, menacing force. I 100% disagree with you. Really? <laughs> what, like, why, why do you feel that way? Because I just, like, I was going to say I think it's dumb, but I don't necessarily think it's dumb. I just think it's way less intriguing to be like, there's just some ominous force with, like, that's just evil that exists in this universe and wants to overtake ours. Like, I get it. It's just tropey, and I I think Vecna makes her a way more compelling villain. And it also ups the stakes of what we uh, can fathom that Eleven is capable of. I think I think you're right in that it has some interesting implications for Eleven, but I feel like with it being Vecna and not the Mind Flayer as the Mind Flayer is the main guy, I just don't feel that same ominous presence with Vecna. Like, I'm going to be honest with you, I have felt a little underwhelmed with Vecna this entire time. But when it was first the Demogorgon, I felt, in season one, I felt this, like, sinister feeling every time something happened with the demogorgon in season two when it was the mind flayer like for example that that sequence where will is in the upside down and he's running through the he runs out of uh the hawkins school and he's running in the field and that mind flayer is like coming for him that was such a harrowing scary nerve-wracking moment um it's funny because th- i entirely dis- like i i don't find the mind i never found the mind flayer stuff compelling really see i compl- like i didn't give a shit about this thing like it, it's just like ominous like it's a spooky light tentacle thing i'm like yeah i don't give a shit i felt like it was kind of lovecrafty in in its i guess presentation yeah Maybe I don't know. I, I'm I'm actually in the middle of a rewatch of the full show right now, and I'm nearing the end of season one. Mm. Um, because I want to go back to that stuff. But like, I for me, like season two and season three felt like season two especially. I think season two was like the weakest point in the show for me. Like I, it's the part I'm least excited to get back to. Mm. And I feel like season one and season four are standouts, and a big part of that is like season one to me handles like how ominous um and weird the stakes are and it's not really understanding what we're dealing with at all in season two they put a name to the bigger threat but it doesn't make it ominous to me it just kind of takes the fangs out and then now in season four i i know what the threat is and i understand its motivation and that's way more compelling to me yeah i i I get i get your reasoning i don't agree with it i don't think your opinion is unreasonable it's just you know, I feel differently about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I I just think there's something more ominous about it being this like 
this creature that its world was invaded, so it's trying to take over. Like, it reminds me of... I hate that I always reference... No, I don't hate that I always reference it. I'm sorry that I always reference it, more or less. But Star Trek, you know, um, the Borg. When sure. um, Picard first encounters them, when Q throws them that way. The, the Borg isn't innately evil. They just... It's their motto, assimilate. And then, eventually, when we get to Voyager, and... They run into species 8472, which is like, again, it's kind of like their, their, their territory was invaded. So they see, oh, this is a new species. We must conquer it. You know, like eliminate sure. the threat by conquering. And that's kind of what I felt like the mind flare before we learned it was Vecna. That's what I thought the mind flare was. That's what I thought this um, was kind of going towards. Like, it's this creature from this other dimension that sees an opportunity to, you know, take over and expand its territory or um, to eliminate a threat that poses a threat to it. I, I don't, I don't know. And so I feel like you were ascribing a lot of uh, motivation, I guess the mind flare in a way that I wasn't because I like mm. very quickly write it off because I don't like when we're looking at a villain's motivation and you're like, why is it doing this? And the answer is, oh no, it's just evil. I just, I find that lazy and dumb. And I, you know, I approach it from a different standpoint, obviously, because you're looking at it from a more cultural and media standpoint. I, I approach it from more like a biological standpoint of a lot of animals and in the animal kingdom, they don't do things because they're evil or because they're trying to, you know, hurt other people. They do it because that's their nature. And that's kind of what I thought the mind flare was doing. It's its nature to do that. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I think my writer brain more so just always uses that idea of like by the biological. It's in its nature is like, no, you're just being lazy. Mm. I, th I think for some people that might be the case. I, I think the Duffer brothers they get the benefit of the doubt in this instance, if that's the way they wanted to take it. Um, them not taking it that way is what proves they're not to me. That's kind of the way I end up feeling mm, about it. Yeah. And I don't know. I just like, I don't find Vecna whenever he's on the screen compelling because he just fucking talks too much. You know, like I love a good monologue. Well, that's all he does. So there's mostly sense. bad. There's a lot of bad monologues a lot of the time though, but like you think about some of the, the most compelling villains in horror, they don't talk. Sure. You know, like Mike Myers, he has a tragic backstory. Michael Myers, the, the killer, not the actor. Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> he has a tragic backstory and that's all you need. You know, um, sure. Freddy Krueger, you know, his motivations. He talks a lot actually. So I feel he, like that was the worst example you could have used. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. How about Jason? Yeah, Jason works. <laughs> when he's ever, I was like, that's probably the worst example you could use. The yeah, predator. that's true. Let's that's use the true. Predator. That's a good one. Yeah, that's true, too. Or any of the aliens. But um, I don't mind Vecna talking, but he just talks so goddamn much, dude. And, like, yes, when you realize it's Henry and, you know, Henry had a lot of pent-up frustration and rage about, you know, him. Oh, is that skinny little white dude? <laughs> I just like I I never thought Vecna was at all uh intimidating force at all. Not even a little works. bit. I think he works. 
I don't think he necessarily has to be intimidating because it's just that level of like I'm a fucking psychic monster. Like mm. I, I'd have to find his presence intimidating because like there's just kind of a good show of strength. But I think I think he does pretty well. Yeah, I I like when it was the his motivation is f- more compelling to me. I, I get that it's a more human element, but like for me, this is the last thing I'll say about it. When I think about Vecna, like everybody was able to help take it down. When it was the Mind Flayer, it was like it's eleven and that's it. Like nobody but else is going to be able to fucking take it down. Well, you, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. But like they're they're like when it's Vecna. Let me reword that. When it's Vecna, it feels like everybody can help take Vecna down. Because Vecna, at the end of the day, is a monst- a monstrous human, but a human. Yes. Where where the Mind Flayer, it was like this gargantuan creature thing that only Eleven could seem to face off against. Everybody else, nah. You're, you're right, but I also feel like that's part of what makes Vecna more compelling. Because if the answer is Eleven and Eleven alone can do it, that's way less interesting. Because it shoehorns the way you can square off against an enemy like that. And the idea of sort of pulling back the curtain to use, like, a very literal fucking Wizard of Oz metaphor of, like, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain and the Mind Flayer was just all an act. It's like, okay, this guy is powerful and he's scary, but he's still just a person. And that makes him, like, we we are a threat. Like, it won't be easy, but we can kill him. He can be killed. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you do have a good point there. As, as I was saying, it, I, I came to that own, my own conclusion of that as well. Of like, basically, if it was just Eleven versus the Mind Flayer, what the fuck does everybody else do? That story is becomes immediately way less interesting because it can only go like it, bo- it bottlenecks at that point. No, you're you're right about that. That is the one thing I, I think I will agree with you on, and I will change my opinion on not whole wholly because I still think the Mind Flayer what is a more formidable villain than Vecna. But I will say. What would have made Vecna more formidable for me, which I am... If he had a gun. <laughs> two of them. Dual wielding. Guns two akimbo. Guns. He's got two golden pistols. That's right. Um, that if... If more people would have died. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Agreed. Okay. Through encouragement of Will, Mike professes his love to Eleven, encouraging her to fight and defeat Vecna. She defeats him, casting him out of Max's mind before he can deliver the finishing blow to Max. Max reawakens, body broken and blind, and dies from her wounds. Hopper, Joyce, and Murray re-enter the prison to kill the Demogorgon in order to further weaken Vecna. Yuri and Antonov, or Enzo, rescue them after Antonov has a change of heart. Steve, Nancy, and Robin set Vecna's physical form ablaze and shoot him. It seems as if he dies, but when they go to search for his body, it's nowhere to be found. So I think this is a really good point to bring this up, Rich. Uh, There are some really epic moments in this episode. Eddie and the guitar solo. Hopper and the beheading of the Demogordon. (laughs) Demogordon. Demogordon. Demogordon Ramsey. Hopper and the beheading of the Demogorgon. Eleven facing off against Vecna. Lucas defending Max from Jason. Mike whining and doing fuck all next to Eleven while ignoring the struggle his best friend is going through. And Steve's, Nancy's, and Robin's plan going into action. What was your favorite epic moment and why? 
I really like the Master of Puppets thing. I just think it's shot really well, and it's really fun. It's like, I'm like, that was fucking metal as fuck. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, like, that's, that's it for me. All, the, all that stuff is really cool. I think, actually, like, a close second for me is the, uh, the beheading of Demogorgon. Just, and again, it's like a more of a cinematography thing than anything. It's just shot really well. It's got, like, a cool angle and a nice slow-mo sweep down. It's fucking badass. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to pick because I really, I like each one of those moments for very different reasons. Um, most of them, I should say, the ones that ones that I listed, I like yeah. Eleven and Vecna facing off or Henry after all this time. I really like that, you know, like Eleven finally knowing the true face of the evil that she's been facing off against all these seasons. All yeah, this finally time. coming face to face with him after all this time. Right. Yeah. And after she's regained her powers, I love that. Um, like you said, I love the guitar solo so much. Even though it's like it's very impractical. Um but very cool. Very fucking epic. It's the most been, metal um, the show gets. It, you might appreciate this because I thought it was really funny. Um in the days since that has aired. I follow on, like, Twitter and stuff, like, multiple Dungeons & Dragons pages, and all of them have been sharing, like, gifts of Eddie doing the solo with, like, cheers to the bard. Hell yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's cool. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's, I mean, that's essentially what he was. Yeah. Um, I love Lucas defending Max. You know, like, Lucas finally gets his moment. Yep, for um, sure, which he's been needing this season. Yeah. I would definitely in the hopper and the beheading of the Demogorgon was pretty fucking epic. I will say that. I think I think I'm gonna have to probably agree with you and say that Eddie and the guitar solo was my favorite epic moment. And because it's like it's also set next to other things happening as well. Like a bunch of shit is happening. It's a very that whole f- frantic montage. Is like the most like action movie this this series has ever gotten, and it was really well done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I loved, I loved that those moments. And like when the sword drops out of the Demogorgon and Hopper looks at it, I was like, no fucking way! Like I was like, this is so dumb, and I love it. Yeah, it's it's incredibly dumb. That's why it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I love it. Like he doesn't even question it. He's like, I just got to pick up the sword, and like, like even though parts of my foot are broken, I'm just gonna power slide and fucking lop this dude's head off parts of my foot my foot are broken and i'm completely malnourished and scarred but somehow i have a fucking six pack yeah thanks hellboy i had one good meal a few days ago yeah that's all he needed just needed to dip his fingers in some peanut butter and it was good to go the power of jiffy yeah this is all just a big ad for jiffy dude like if one of the peanut butter companies was smart enough that's all they had to do for free advertisement. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, they but, would, like, think about it, man. They would have been immortalized if it was, like, them eating I mean, the Jif peanut right, butter and, like... But also, like, the the Duffer Brothers are, like, uh, sticklers for, like, um, accuracy, so it would have to be a brand that both existed, and it would have to be the old label. Hmm. I think it was Jif when he first grabs I, it I out. I think it might have been the old Jif label. You might be right about that. Be like, no, it was like a really weird brand. Like it was not weird, but like a smaller brand. It's like it like was Peter, Peter Pan's. Pan's. Yeah, <laughs> that's the first one we thought went to. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that peanut butter is so bad. 
It's fine. It's not Skippy. It's not Jif, but it's fine. I mean, I'd rather eat paint. No, I'm like just a, kidding. No. I like a chunky Skippy. Yeah. Some peanut butter now. Me too. I think I'm going to have some after this. Yeah, just dip your fingers in. Hell yeah. You never, you just get a spoon, just go at it. Yeah, hell yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? Like, all the non-Americans listening to this are like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? We just, yeah, it's protein, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> Mind your business. We just like peanut butter. It's good. It's a treat. We mm. love nut butter. Mmm, nut butter. I probably shouldn't have moaned that like that. Yeah, nobody's going to use that sound bite out of context. Mmm, peanut butter. Okay, well, let's do the mad dash to the end. If you're new here, this is where, um, you know, I usually do a large info dump, even more so than what I've been doing. And it's the last little bit before we get to the final questions of the show. We're rolling right along here, Rich. So Eleven uses her powers to resurrect Max. Max's brief death allowed for the fourth gate to open, causing a massive rift in the middle of Hawkins, where the upside down and the normal dimension to quote-unquote merge. Two days later, everyone in the town is recovering from the earthquake. They are counting the exact tolls and getting supplies to those in need. All of the parties reunite in heartfelt discussions and hugs. Some of the members go to see Max in the hospital where she remains comatose. Eleven enters her mind but can't find Max. Dustin tells Eddie's uncle what happened to Eddie to give him closure. Will senses that Vecna is still alive and the upside down begins to take hold of Hawkins. And that's the end. So I have a question that I didn't actually write down that I want to address. (laughs) Can't do that. Too late. You locked it in. Yep. It's locked in. I want to address this now. Um, This is like a thought that I had. And then I also saw some fan theories that, and um, thoughts that kind of mirrored what I thought as well. So I'm going to do a little bit of a leading question here. Uh, Will is similar to Vecna in some ways in that he feels like an outcast. Henry or Vecna or 001 felt like an outcast, you know, throughout his young life, that he was always on the outside looking in. And he had some weird, not predilections, because that sounds very, that's a very weird way of saying that. He he had some weird quirks or behaviors or interests that kind of set him apart. Yeah, those of a serial killer. (laughs) and led him to you know be prone to what he ended up becoming and will has this kind of tether with vecna um ever since he was possessed by vecna um from back from season two and even season one when he entered the upside down you know he had this kind of tether to him we don't see what happens to vecna exactly at the end of season four he disappears somehow will has this connection that remained dormant largely through season four and it's kind of reemerged at the end so do you think it's possible that will could be possessed by vecna becoming kind of a vessel for him or do you think that's more likely to be max because max's consciousness is nowhere to be found inside of her i think the will thing is entirely possible um 
I think, and I've actually, can I throw this out there? Because I've been wheeling in this since you mentioned something a while back mm. with people proposing theories that Eddie's still alive. Mm. So I'm just going to run wild with this. Okay. Um, my theory is that, like, Max's consciousness is, like, stuck in the Upside Down somewhere. Um, like, her body's still alive and her consciousness is, like, trapped there. Mm. And if, like, that kind, if those rules kind of apply within there that, like, you're material your consciousness can like leave your material body like the only way that people could roll with the eddie's still alive which i don't think will happen i think that would be really dumb yeah uh is if the same thing's happening with him i especially think that's dumb because i do believe that's what's happening with max and if it's happening with both of them that's really stupid uh, <laughs> imagine imagine that'd be fucking hilarious if they were both possessed by vecna and they hold hands we are vecna yeah, that's really dumb. I know, I agree. Um, I, I think if any, Will would be like that conduit. I think it makes more sense. He has the deeper connection. It's funny to look back on like the the uh, connections. Like having been in the middle of rewatching season one, mm. I now saw the obvious stuff. Like when Will is taken, you hear the, the clock chime uh, that we hear in season four all the time. Uh, there's like some images that look kind of similar to Vecna, but also you could shock that up that it was season one and they hadn't settled on a final design for this character or even right. probably a name yet. Um, like Will is able to survive there because he keeps singing uh, the Clash song. That's like, dude. That's such a good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's a, that's a big thing people are talking about online. That that's why Will was able to like stave off Vecna all that time because he kept singing that Clash song and that was like his anchor. Wow. I wonder if, like, if that idea was there since the inception of Vecna, or that kind of came along after Later, them, like, reviewing yeah. some of that. Either way, it works. Yeah, damn, I didn't even think about that. That's a, that's a great bring-up. You know, I like that. Um, I, yeah, I think it's less likely Max has kind of taken over because her body's broken, right? Yeah. Like... Of course, we were able to see that somehow Levin has powers to heal and was able uh, to to bring just that. like just like the new Star Wars movie. That's just a new thing we came up. With. Yeah, so I, I guess Eleven can heal now, but like her powers aren't fully actualized. So that makes you wonder if Vecna has those same powers. Obviously, look, man, Vecna can control fucking weird otherworldly bats she can do whatever she wants i'm i don't, I don't think it's uh, i don't think it's too far yeah i like i just think because max's body's broken and her consciousness is gone that it's less likely that she would be taken over but i think that it's more likely that will would be if that were to happen yeah i don't know necessarily that that will happen but i, I agree with you <laughs> will happen that will <laughs> that's his name <laughs> yeah but speaking of kind of like the upside down and not, where are the demo dogs in the upside down when the party enters? Because they're facing off against all these demo bats and it shows like that, that flashback sequence at the beginning of episode eight where Henry and patient zero zero one first entered the upside down that there was a demo dog just kind of rolling around nearby. Where are they? Uh, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I'm just going to accept that they're probably like fewer and farther between. Maybe maybe they're all in Russia. Well, yeah, I, like maybe they're in a different area, I guess. But if he controls, like he's the hive mind, and especially if you remember in um, season two, because you're about to go through that, there are a mass amount of demo dogs 
that you think that they would have encountered at least a few when they went the there. The real answer is those are probably way harder to animate. That's, you know, that's probably true. It's just like, it makes me think because they, they make it such a point to mention that Vecna is the leader of the hive mind. And if they attract one demo bat, they're going to attract all the demo bats. You'd think it stands to reason that they would also attract the demo dogs at that point. No, they're in demo bat country. The demo dogs live on the other side of town. He who makes a beast of himself. It's a vegetable joke. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, what did you think of Dustin and Eddie's uncle scene? What did you think of that scene? I think it was nice that he's able to give him a little bit of closure. And I also think it's really nice because it's not always a given uh, in those kind of situations that Eddie's uncle still, like, believed in him to the end. That he's like, he didn't, he didn't fucking do that. Like, he's mm. not... Like, that's not who he is. I really like that sequence a lot it made me tear up a little bit i thought it was very heartfelt especially because the whole season the uncle seems kind of like this gruff you know just typical guy like manly man who just does what he has to do to survive and then you sure. see him break down at the thought of eddie dying and it shows this man who clearly has a ton of empathy because like he's he's shown in this episode coming into the board where it shows all the people are missing and him taking down a photo of eddie who has been clearly graffitied and drawn on because he is the town pariah at this point and he ignores it and like he goes in there despite people probably giving him funny looks and talking shit to him to put up another flyer for eddie who is missing and dustin goes to approach him and he and the uncle like has his guard up because he's clearly been getting a lot of shit from the town. He's ready for him to say something shitty. Right. And like just the level of strength that Eddie's uncle has to, you know, keep searching to ignore basically the fact that his adopted son is a pariah to, you know, search for him. And then just the heartfelt emotions that it showed, I mean, like, I, I I know I'm sure some people are like, yeah, whatever. I love the fact that it goes against kind of like that toxic masculinity that you, you, you I think that some people probably ascribe to that character. And it seems like that trope of a character has. I think but it's it does... also yeah, the Duffer Brothers are really good at this. And I think it's important because a lot of the time there are writers and directors who are not good at this. Like, people are not that one dimensional. Like. And they do a good job of showing that, like, you could have this character who puts up that exterior, because to an extent, that is who they are. But that doesn't mean that, like, every facet of their being is enveloped by that. Yeah, absolutely. And I I love that, too, because I think we need more examples of that in contemporary media. But, in modern media, I should say. But, I, yeah, I really love that sequence. There, There are a few things that I didn't quite jive with in that scene um and i wanted to pick your brain on this when dustin mentions that eddie died fighting and yes the, and the uncle's like oh oh and i was like like how, like, how have, does the uncle I know have, what the I fuck that no even means i have no more questions <laughs> yeah like fighting what was he fighting that that would be my natural reaction yeah. 
Yeah, like was he, I have was he no fighting the questions. he was fighting the the ground as the earth was quaking? He's like, I will punch the earth to stop it. Like, what was he fighting? So, so yeah, um, yeah, it was just that that no, like well, I have no more questions here. Um, I think it would have like that's why that dialogue feels a little stilted. I think it would have gone further for Dustin just to be like, I was there with him when it happened, and I want you to know that like. I I know he didn't do it, and we, like, you know, you're not the, like, I know he did not do that. Yeah. I think the question then would have been, like, why didn't the uncle ask what happened to Eddie? Like, there's there's no perfect ending to that, but I think that your version is a little bit better than what happened. I think that... And it could have been as simple as, like, if he needed an explanation, Dustin could have been, like, we were near one of the, like, you know, focal points of the earthquake. And he saved me, and he died because of it. Like, he fell in. Because yeah. the town is literally ripped. Like, there are fucking giant craters. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I think I think there could have been a little bit better way of handling that. Um, that would have been a little less plot holy, But it it worked. Yeah. It worked. It was, it and it's nice that they bothered with a scene like that, because I feel like nobody would have complained if you didn't get that, but it is nice that he gets closure. Oh, right. I mean, you think back to Bob's death in season two, he had nobody else to like. Nobody even told Frodo. <laughs> well, Frodo's in the the Grey Havens now, so. Oh, okay. He can't be reached. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so it's my bad then. Yeah, no, but I, I like that they, they gave it some closure and it allowed for Dustin to have some more character development as well. Yeah. And Agreed. I think, like, they didn't play with it too much in the finale, but I think they're going to play with it a little bit more because it was clear that Dustin was starting to become closer with Eddie than he was with Steve. Like, they started yeah. alluding to that. And I, I think Steve could sense that and was starting to get a little bit jealous. I think there's that underpinning there that it was starting to show, especially when they're they're preparing to go into the Upside Down. And I think that's going to rear its head in Season 5 entirely entirely likely yeah um but yeah it is it is a shame we will not get more of eddie munson but i think he went out like a champ agreed agreed now i think the funniest scene in the entire fourth season and i unintentionally so was when um you know every everything happens um where you know Max briefly dies, and then Hawkins is torn by rifts. I think the funniest part in the entire season is what happens with Jason. Because Jason is kind of laying there after getting knocked out by Lucas, and then he kind of wakes up, and then the rift just fucking tears him in half like as yeah. like an afterthought and uh i'm watching it with my girlfriend. I was like, "What the fuck?" And we just burst out laughing at that. It's pretty comical how dumb it is. And, like, I don't, I don't even know how bad I'm supposed, like, Jason was 100% an asshole towards the end, but, like, his point of getting there is, like, slightly sympathetic, almost, because it's like, this guy's in the wrong, and he won't listen to reason, and you're like, reason is like, there are literal monsters, like, what is he supposed to think? Right, and his girlfriend was just fucking mutilated a few days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like, naturally, if he's going to have... So, like that kind of reaction feels some kind of way his 
entire existence is being torn inside yeah. out, you know, essentially. But yeah, it's just the way he was killed. I was like, what the fuck? It's hilarious. Well, I, I think fully they they go with that because you also you don't want to turn Lucas into a killer. Yeah, for sure, definitely. But like, I don't know if you felt this way. I felt like Jason was a more compelling villain than Vecna at times. I don't think I agree with that. Now, uh, I do in some ways because like he sees this, he sees these children, and like he's blaming them for the like the deaths. And he like com- like refuses to see reason, and the the I don't want to say evil things. So I don't say, think it's evil. The the uh, s- scary lengths he was willing to go through to you know attack he's these children a, was pretty. He's just brutal. a proud boy. Um, <laughs> I uh, I don't uh, think he's more compelling. I think like you need more of that like human threat. Well, overall, um, no. I thought just at moments he was like a m- more compelling and um like he's that good exchange formidable with Nancy villain. When, they're, when they're in the gun store, mm. which I think only services in a fun way to like he has that line about like how the shotgun's not practical because it's so long and someone can it's only useful at close range and somebody could just, you know, grab the barrel and then her sawing off the barrel later. Yeah. Which I like. I, I thought that was funny too, because like when she's sawing it off like, there's no show of that when she's shooting Vecna. I don't know if you noticed this. I'm, again, one of those assholes who pays attention to details. But, like, she saws it off. And in theory, because it's not like she sawed it off cleanly. She literally took a, like, a handsaw to it. Yeah. Th- there's like no, there's no like, fray to the metal whatsoever. Well, it's we don't know. Compl- Maybe she sanded it afterwards. You weren't there, man. Maybe she had a metal grinder, like, outside that RV. Seems like a waste of time for that, but like, if you look when she's shooting Vecna, it's super smooth, and I was like, It's a very clean cut, yeah. Yeah. And like, you could argue, be like, well, she was, did it slowly, and she did it right up against the guard, be like, I wouldn't, whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You'd think that she would have missed once and scratched the metal, but no, it's fucking pristine. And I just look at anyone shooting like a monster with a 12-gauge shotgun, and I'm like, wow, Resident Evil 4 is cool. (laughs) I played that game at some point. I played that game 14 times. So, Rich, the stakes were supposed to be really high with the season finale. Did you feel that the episodes met that expectation? I think so. I think it was a really strong, fun finale, and I'm eager to see uh, where season five takes us. Wow. I'm mostly, I'm mostly satisfied. I wish there was a little bit more death. To be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I can definitely agree with that. I wish there was a little bit more death to raise the stakes even more. Um, I felt like it was alluding to it, like we kind of talked about earlier, and it just it never met that point for me. And it I, feels almost like we introduced a new character just because they didn't want to kill off any of the established ones. Yeah, and I don't like that. Like, that's what they did with Bob, and um, that's what they did here. And it's it's kind of a shame, you know? Like, even even Billy in some ways, like, I feel like they... they Billy they, was more of, like, the Jason to that season. Hmm. That's true. That's true. I just, yeah, I don't know. I... It's, it's hard to get invested in 
new characters because of that and it feels like all these main characters have plot armor now you know like max was granted she's a husk but she was supposed to die and if she had died i think that would have been really fucking sad because max is such an awesome character but it would have added to the stakes what if uh right after eddie died they just cut um and like Susie died but unrelated that would have been funny you know what would have been funnier (laughs) like she got hit by a car like wherever she was you know what would have been funnier if like when that rift was happening somehow it made eleven have laser vision and she like like raised up from the vat and just cut mike in half nobody else just mike (laughs) like just uh, yeah total accident um Argyle drowns in the in the deprivation tank. He's like, gnarly, bro. This is not tubular, bro. <laughs> this is not where I left my jaw. Yeah. yeah. Well, our, even Argyle would have been sad, but, like, yeah, the stakes yeah. weren't high enough. And, like, one thing I do want to say here. Argyle would have been sad because he's basically a ninja turtle. Yeah. A lot of people... <laughs> A lot of people talk shit on the Russian storyline, which I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know why people are talking shit, but I will say this. Outside of Eleven and outside of the Will-Jonathan moment, the Mike-Jonathan and Will and Argyle side story felt really superfluous. It was the weakest part of the story. And I think, like, my biggest concern right now is season one, Mike had a big part to play. Season two, Mike and Will did. And Jonathan. Season two, Mike, Will, and Jonathan had a big part to play. Season three, arguably Mike and Will didn't have that big of a part to play. They did, kind of, but not really. Jonathan definitely had a decently big part to play. Season four, it's like, what do we do with these characters? And they can't kill them off because they're all main characters. And, like, Jonathan has a part to play because, like, him and Nancy and... Steve love triangle as much as I hate it. It's a part of the plot now. And And like Jonathan has a part to play, but like, I think, go ahead. I think will even does, but that's probably more so just because he feels like a stronger character. Well, and now Um, the tether with Vecna makes a lot, you know, keeps a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. But Mike, his only part to play was L I love you. Yeah. I don't give a shit about Mike and I've never really found Mike that interesting. I liked him a lot in season one. I really did. And even season two, I did because of his support of Will. Like, if you think back, besides Joyce, Will was, or uh, Mike was the only one advocating for Will's safety. Sure, you're right. I, I think part of it is, though, and like you said, these characters have less to do. I think part of that comes around from, like, who the audience is more drawn to. And I think, unfortunately, for, like, Finn Wolfhard, he plays Mike. Um, I feel bad because I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Like, Wills? I feel like the character, no, not not Will's, uh, Noah Schnapps, I know him, but yeah. I was going to say, I feel like, I'm just going to say, well, like, Lucas was doing his own thing, and I think he was underutilized up until the end. I feel like Will and Dustin are, like, way more charismatic and interesting. That's that's true, and I th- I, I agree with that. I think uh, Caleb, Le- Caleb McLaughlin, who plays Lucas, I think that, and we're going to talk about this actually in the next question a lot more, but I think that um, he had a lot more of a part to play in this season, which was nice. But, and I think like, that's, what's crazy. I think Finn Wolfhard is a very charismatic 
actor in person. I mean, watching him in It and watching him in the earlier seasons of Stranger Things, super charismatic. I don't. Oh, okay. Well, I've never found him compelling in anything. Oh, okay. I've I've really enjoyed him, but um yeah, I think that like the writers have nothing to do with him and it's like, well, we can't kill him. He's the ma- one of the main characters. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong for finding him charismatic for the record. I just don't think he is at all. No, I get I'm that. I'm just like, look, an awkward white teenager. Yeah, where have we seen this before? But oh no. He like Mike is the type of character who always feels like he has one foot in and one foot out. Like, whether it's with D&D, especially with the club this year. Like, he felt like a one foot in, one foot out kind of guy. Um, his support of Eleven, one foot in, one foot out. In recent seasons, uh, his relationship to his friends, one foot in, one foot out. Um, his His relationship with his sister Nancy, one foot in, one foot out. Yeah, you know? he he never feels too invested in anything that's going on. He's no. just like, oh, right, and Mike's here. No. And another thing that's, like, um, somebody had pointed out, what happened with Jonathan's photography um, hobby and interest? Ca- cameras are expensive, and he broke, like, 40 of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, he's completely, like, it's not even acknowledged. Like, it's such a huge plot point in the earlier seasons, and now it's like... And I get it. I mean, like, that's what's it going to happen? Like, we're going to go fight Vecna, but let me take a picture of it. You know, like, I get that. I I would love that if he, like, stopped to stage a photo. Yeah. He's like, Vecna, smile. And Vecna's like, yeah, but (laughs) the cameras are actually going to end up being Vecna's weekends. That's right. Water for aliens, photography for Vecna. But no, I just just how that stuff works. I just felt like that whole storyline was fucking dull for those three. A little bit, a little bit. I, I don't, dis- you know what it is? I feel like it was like, all right, they start here and they have to get here and we kind of have to bullshit around for a while until they have to be at the other place. Yeah, kind of. And I'm really glad, like, I didn't find him confel- compelling at first, but he really grew on me. Argyle. Because, like, had he not been there, that storyline would have been borderline unwatchable. Yeah, he, they, they needed, like, everyone else is in such a dour mood that you needed somebody to sort of like liven it up a little bit and uh he works he's fun yeah yeah welcome he, addition to me yes i agree with that wholeheartedly um i don't know the the name of that actor by the way i wish i did i, I feel like i've seen him in other stuff he's uh he's in a movie that's on netflix about smoking weed i think and the guy the actor's name is eduardo franco eduardo franco He's he's fun. Like I feel like he has been typecast, um, but he's good at what he's been typecast as. Yep. I also yep. I, I feel unfortunate to me because he does sort of feel like uh, just like a plot vehicle, uh, almost literally the extent of like why is our guy here? He's the guy with the van, and he's the guy who needs to get assault later. <laughs> right. Yeah. I um I enjoyed his character being introduced into the show for sure. And uh, shout out to Joseph Quinn, also, who played Eddie. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, like, I didn't, whoa, I didn't know this. He was in Game of Thrones. Who's he in Game of Thrones? Conor, in season seven, episode four, titled The Spoils of War. Don't remember that. watching by that point. Yeah, I'm just going to have to go, like, see a still of him, because I don't remember him. He is British, so maybe that's why you don't remember him. 
Well, no, what I mean is, like, you know, you didn't recognize him because he's got, like, a big wig on and is doing an American accent in this. Uh, okay, I can see why I didn't recognize him now. Here, I'll send you, I'll send you the photo on uh, WhatsApp. But, yeah, I shout out to him and um, also shout out to the guy who played... I don't know why it's sent that way. Sorry about that. The guy who played uh, Vecna slash Henry slash... Um. Uh, zero zero one. Sorry, I couldn't remember what the number was. Uh, somehow, Jamie Campbell Bauer. Uh, also, awesome, awesome actor. Um, I liked all the additions in this season. But agreed. A few more questions before we get out of here, Rich. Um, Caleb McLaughlin who played Lucas and Noah Schnapp who played Will were some of the standouts in the finale for me. Um, while Noah has been showing his acting chops since the first season, we finally got to see some major character development with Lucas allowing for Caleb to show off as well. What were some of the notable performances for you? Um, I think definitely I agree with you on Caleb as Lucas mm. is a real good one. Um, I keep letting names slip me, so Eddie, who we just mentioned a minute ago, and I've already forgotten his name, uh, was fucking top-notch. Um, I mean, everybody, everybody, everybody pulling their weight real well, real well there. Mm. Yeah, I, I, who, who is your favorite, though? If you had to pick one. Hmm. I think, uh, I think I might be with you on Lucas there. I think he does some really great stuff. I feel like some, I feel, Noah Schnapp, like you said, is a great performer, mm. but like Will isn't given a whole lot to do this season, so he doesn't really get a, a super strong moment. Like, it's some good, like, emotional bits, like the thing between him and Jonathan, and him talking to Mike in the car, but uh, he doesn't, there's not a whole lot going on there. Mm. <laughs> but I'll definitely, I'll, Lucas this season for me is, is the standout. Yeah, I... I really liked him, and like I said, I liked the moment between um, Will and Jonathan a lot. Like, yeah. and, the, and the moment where Will, um, his character, encourages Mike in the van and, like, starts crying. That is such a fucking, oh, such good acting to make you feel for Will. Like, yeah. And I guess some people were dogging on Noah Schnapp's acting. Or Schnapp's acting on... I think he was great. I did, too. I was like, what the, f- the fuck? Yeah, I thought he was fantastic. Um, you know, I thought Robin... Um, not My Hawk. My Hawk, thank you. I was mixing her and Sadie Sink up. Sadie Sink plays um, Max, who also Max, did a yeah. phenomenal job this season. I love both of their acting a lot this season. Um... Yeah, everybody in the cast did really well. Um, I can't. I really liked uh, the addition of Yuri. Um, I don't know that actor's name off the top of my head. Um, yeah. what's we his need name? A, Ru- a Russian comic relief actor. Nikola Juriko. Probably... He's actually Russian. Yes. Oh Interesting. wait. Wait, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, you, you, yeah, Yuri. He was really good. Um, and then. Enzo. I kept mixing uh, Enzo and Yuri up because I was saying the different names. I'm sorry. Um, I was I was saying uh, Antonov, who is Enzo, and those 
those are mixed up. But um, Enzo, who is played by Tom Flashich, Flashich, I can't pronounce his name. Um, uh, I loved him a lot. Tom Flashlight. <laughs> Flashishka. Um, I really liked him. He was phenomenal. He was also in Stranger Things or uh, Game of Thrones. Did you know? That? <laughs> I know. I know. That's what we're talking about, buddy. He was in Stranger Things. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was also in Game of Thrones. Yeah, no, I knew what you meant. It was just... Do you know who he was in Game of Thrones? No. He's German, by the way, I guess. That checks out. The, the man without a face. That's why I didn't recognize him. <laughs> um, but no, he's, he's the guy who trains um, the little Stark girl. Arya. Arya. Thanks. I've kind of purged that. He's the one. He's the one who makes her Batman. Yes, exactly. So he's the one who teaches her all those abilities that don't matter. I knew I recognized him, but I couldn't remember exactly how I recognized him. But yeah, so I I really liked him as well. He's a fantastic addition. So agreed. Yeah. Um, Last question I have for you, Rich. What do you think will happen in season five, the final season? What are your predictions? I don't know. Uh, all my old predictions are out the window now because the threat team's too looming for them to do a time skip. Mm. Um, I feel like uh, they're going to have to use Will's weird Vecna connection to maybe try and like find where he's hiding and trying to regain his strength. Like I feel like they're going to go back in. They're not going to wait for the threat to come to them, they're going to have to go back in the in, uh, upside down. But beyond that, I'm really not sure. It's going to be interesting because in some ways, um, I think the, the upside down is kind of coming to them as we saw at the end of that yeah. finale. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, I think 11 will be successful in repelling Henry, but I also think, that she will sacrifice herself in order to do so. I'm probably wrong there, but... I think Mike will die. Do you think or do you hope? Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, (laughs) I think that Max will somehow be recovered, and I think that maybe Eleven will have to sacrifice herself for that or something. Um, I think that I don't even want to talk about this, but we got to mention it with the whole Steve, Jonathan, Nancy thruple thing going on. I think that Jonathan and Nancy will reconnect and Steve will, you know, defer and be like, because he had, he had that really good moment when him, Nancy and Robin are walking through the forest and Robin's like, freaking out about being lost and he's like i i like the character development that steve had there where he's like i made some really shitty choices and i was a terrible person you and i'm really sorry for the way i treated you i loved that character development you know because it shows how far steve has come what i think is smarter is that like it's okay to have that character development and not have that lead to we belong together and should get back together. Like, it's okay for him to have personal growth and just move on in a different direction and still acknowledge that, like, I was shitty and I do apologize for that. And I think that's what's kind of happening. Like, I th- I think it would be really... 
if all of this culminates into him being like, you know what, I thought this is what I wanted, it's not. You know, like, he was, he said that he wanted to, you know, get back together with her, but I think he was really just using her as a as a stopgap for him growing as a person. And, like, he saw that, and, like, him growing as a person is scarier than going back to what's familiar. And then he yeah. he recognizes that. I think that would be such a cool way to develop that character because like when he's talking in the forest with her and he's like you know when i imagine my future it's having six kids and you're there like the future she has i mean like she has the whole she can do anything she wants um you know as an individual as a person but a few of the major choices that she is faced with right now is choosing to go with steve who baby basically wants her to be a baby maker or going with Jonathan who despite Jonathan lying and not making the best choices wants her to follow her dreams and wants her to pursue her dreams. Yeah. And I think that there will be some kind of heart to heart that comes together and Jonathan and Nancy will come back together and work things out. But I think it would also be cool equally as cool if like Jonathan was like, you know what? I do love you our paths are diverging at this point. If something can happen in the future to bring us together again, I'd like to see what happens in the future. But now I want you to go do your thing and I want to go do my thing. And like Nancy ends up with nobody and Nancy has kind of a clean slate to be a rock star individual on her own. I think that would be a cool choice. I actually think that uh, Steve and Jonathan will end up together. (laughs) (laughs) That would be the greatest plot twist. Um, what do you think happens with Will? I mean, besides like the Vecna stuff, like with his feelings towards Mike, like, Um, is is this like, is this the end of it? Do you think, do you think like, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think, um, he's going to have like a fallout where he like, he kind of confesses what he's feeling and what he's confused about. But I think like the emotional resonance of that will not be like in the idea of like Mike reciprocating the feelings but in the idea of, like, him, his friends accepting him for who he is while he, like, works through these confusing feelings. Because, like, like I was saying earlier, like, the answer is not, like, there's not a world where he can be with Mike because we've seen no evidence to suggest that that's who Mike is. Hmm. But, like, there is a world where he can feel more comfortable going forward with who he is and understanding that his friends accept who he is, that his family accepts who he is. Right. Yeah, I think I think that would be really great to see um and we we kind of talked about this in the last episode so i agree with you um we saw hopper and joyce finally you know after four seasons of will they won't they became a will they this season mm-hmm. what do you think happens there in the last season um i don't think there needs to be any more turmoil there assuming they both survive like i think it's just like they get together like that doesn't like, there doesn't need to be any rockiness in that relationship. It's just like, hey, we were, we belong together, and that's fine. That should be the, the status quo for them. Mm. Do you think they both survive? I don't know. Um, there haven't been a lot of scares for Joyce, really. I feel like it would be almost, like, cruel to kill off Joyce, and I don't think... Hopper has come back from the dead once. Killing him off again would have no impact. Do you think it's possible that they die together? It's possible, but I don't think I, I don't I don't see that having a, a good impact. So I really don't think it 
would be smart. Uh, you could say it's like passing the torch to the younger ones. You know what I mean? Sure, but they were never the leads on this show. So that was never... Mm. The, like, that, that doesn't really make sense. Fair, fair point. I just, like, I think about, like, those two, Hopper and Joyce, have been through a lot of dangerous situations together. Maybe their luck runs out. You know? It's pot Again, Hopper's come back from the dead once. I think killing him off again would just be literally ridiculous. Well, you know, that the show slight, slightly predicated on awesome ridiculousness. So Yes, but that's not awesome ridiculousness. That's bad writing ridiculousness. Ah, we'll see. We'll see if if they do it and how they approach it. You know, they they have they have some time to possibly address that. Things if that's can be ridiculous and awesome. Things can be ridiculous and stupid. Yes. To me, that would be ridiculous and stupid. Agreed. Um, do you think that Enzo and Murray and Yuri all play bigger parts in this season, this upcoming season, or are they just going to be kind of smaller characters? <laughs> I think Enzo and Dustin get together. I just like saying that about two random characters that have never interacted. Dustin's <laughs> still in high school. I don't know, man. Um, I think maybe, like, uh, now Murray has two wacky roommates. I don't know that that'll happen, but that's what I'd like. That's the spinoff? <laughs> yes, yes, that's the best spinoff ever! They become, like, the A-team yep. for paranormal investigations. Yep. <laughs> that's, yes, that's what I want it to be. That would be pretty awesome. I, I would love that. that. Yeah. <sighs> I, yeah, I don't know what part they have to play. Like, for example, them and the parents, who did get some parts to play in this season, but um, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of f- make their make their mark in the final season, I would say. What do you think happens with Hawkins? Like, is Hawkins just going to be swallowed whole by this? Uh... I feel like it's got to be, like, somewhat repaired in the end, but now it's just, like, the town from Silent Hill. Yeah. Yeah, it pretty much is. Do you think that uh, the Upside Down and this, like, the normal universe, whatever you want to call it, do you think that, like, they're going to be completely separated, or do you think, like, that they'll be merged together, like, Avatar, Legend of Korra, and basically demo dogs and humans oh, will no, be friends. I, I, I do not think that will happen. I think that the the threat is going to be like the world's overlapping, and it'll be curbed. It'll be stopped. Mm. Okay. I think that connection is going to be severed by the end of season five, like fully, like the door shut. Done. Mm. What part do you think, like the government and uh, Sullivan, will play in the final season? Because obviously, they presumably have Owens right now. They're still in pursuit of Eleven, thinking. She's the the culprit behind all this death in Hawkins and all these bad things happening. What do you think happens there? Bumbling villain. Like, they're going to continue to just get in the way until the last possible moment. Mm. Yeah, I think so, too. I don't think they'll have too much of a part to play. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, I'm trying to make sure we exhaust all the main threads before we, you know, move on here. Um, do you think any characters will come back? Like, obviously, we saw Barb, um, lifeless corpse in season four. Like, correct. Giving like closing the door on any possible Barb return. Do you think we'll see a possibility of Ed, Eddie returning, or Bob returning, or Billy returning, or Doctor Brenner somehow re-returning again back from the dead a second time? Outside or Max? of like, 
Outside of, like, Vecna-induced hallucinations, no, I don't think so. Okay. Okay. And what do you think, like, how powerful do you think Eleven's gonna, like, her powers are gonna reach? Maybe that's the last thing we can talk about. I think she's gotta hit, like, on par with Vecna. I think she's... I want to see her be able to, like, turn the demo dogs on him. Hmm. Do you think that she, like... Like, there's a possibility that she dies. Do you think there's a pos- possibility that she loses her humanity in the process? Well, actually, do you want me to just throw you out what, like, my main working theory of, like, how yeah. this is how I think an ending could go? Yeah, yeah. Um, they kill him, but because of that, him being, like, the center of this hive mind, like, these gates are still open, and nobody's controlling the hive mind, and they're just running rampant. And I think Eleven has to essentially take his place to control them and like fully sever the connection so they have to completely cut off the world from the upside down but she gets left inside of it as a result hmm i think that's super possible like that's what i've been thinking this whole time is like something's something's got to happen with her like it can't be super clean cut i don't i think. don't think she gets a happy ending no i don't think so either but we'll see. It remains to be seen, I guess. You know what'll happen with her. So, um, I think that's it, man. Do you have any other questions that you think we missed, or? Nah, I think we covered it. I think we got it. Okay. I guess last question. Uh, that is the question we usually ask around here. I didn't last ask it the last episode because, you know, it wasn't a. You know, like we didn't have this part done. Would you recommend this 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 season? No, it's terrible. No, yeah, I would. I think it's the strongest season since season one. Mm. I do firmly believe that. And I, yeah, I definitely recommend it. Yeah. It's a damn good season. So, um, yeah, I'd agree with you. I, I, I love this season a lot and I can't wait to see, um, what season five has in store for us. Essentially. Oh, show nice little wrap up. Hell yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, I I agree. I recommend it. And I think that's it. I think that's it for season four. I think Uh, so. Yeah. Well, Rich, I want to thank you for being here discussing with me at length this this season because uh, I've been really excited and get tired of shouting into the void. Exactly. So I appreciate it. To the upside down void or whatever. Uh, The the right side up. The void void of Max's mind. But uh, really quickly, I want to say if you want more content from us like this, you want to check out stuff, head over to SoreChomp.com where we have more podcasts usually centered around gaming. We have articles uh, that usually we do gaming reviews or think pieces, sometimes guides on gaming related things. And uh, we have a merch store over there at store.SoreChomp.com. And we also have a Patreon page where um, this is going to be going up pretty much today and uh they get early access to some of these chomping after darks and they get other awesome rewards for just supporting us with their money and their time so if you're interested in that head over there and check it out but we're gonna get out of here i want to say thank you so much to rich first and foremost i want to say thank you to you guys for listening and checking out the show hopefully you enjoyed stranger things season four like we did let us know what you think uh, when this goes, post goes up. Let us know um, in the comments or send us a email about your thoughts at 
swordchomp at gmail.com let us know or on the social media on the instagram and twitter at swordchomp thank you again for checking out the show and we will be back with another episode of chomping after dark thank you so much and take care bye bye